This is The 20 with DJ Spider, presented by BeatSource. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. It is The 20 Podcast, bringing you interviews with the best DJs, producers, and music industry professionals from around the globe. I'm your host, DJ Spider. That is right. We are here coming to you from Los Angeles. BeatSource represent. This podcast is brought to you by BeatSource. And if you don't know what it is, well, I'm going to let you know. It's the new digital music service for open format DJs. Make sure you get on there. We've got BeatSource Link giving you the ability to DJ from the cloud and from our amazing library of songs and our custom curated playlists that are done by some amazing curators. Um, we've got all types of new things coming out. Uh, and what I want, I need to let you know about is a webinar series that we've got launching. Uh, BeatSource and Serato have come together to create three webinars that will be happening June 23rd for the West Coast of the United States, June 30th for the East Coast of the United States, and July 7th for the UK. Each show will include hosts from each brand, Serato and BeatSource, and will cover Serato's products, BeatSource Link, a demo, two guest speakers that are DJs in the virtual streaming space who have utilized this past year to engage and increase their following, create revenue stream, and leverage opportunities. So this is definitely helpful for you to get back in the swing of things, to learn no matter where you are in your career. So head over to this link to sign up right now and reserve your spot, link.beatsource.com slash what's dash next and make sure you listen through this episode my guest today is part of these webinars and he will be explaining to you in more detail in this episode what you will get out of them and we will give you that link again you can always just rewind and listen to it uh thank you guys for supporting thank you for being here uh as always hit me if you want uh any info you want to talk you want to just say some nice things or some mean things whatever you want i'm here for you uh find me on instagram at dj spider dj s-p-i-d-e-r same thing on twitch make sure you rate and review this podcast on the apple podcast app give us those five stars help us grow up the charts thank you to my beat sourcers and all the loyal listeners and now i want to let you know about our amazing guest that we've got today our guest is hailing from london england and is the artist relations rep and so much more for serato in all of europe his dj career to me is like a book of many chapters he's you know, all over the place in a good way. And it's cool to hear how he connected the dots. Um, going from a battle DJ where he won the UK DMC battle competition in 2004, as well as many other battles before and after, uh, to being a radio DJ and presenter on the BBC. Uh, then working for Activision for four years, helping to create the video game DJ Hero, um, and then going on to work with Daniel Pemberton, the composer, to do the scratches in the score of the amazing movie Welcome to the Spider-Verse, which was so mind-blowing to me, and I was so happy to learn more about that. Um, he will be part of the webinar that I mentioned earlier and was super fun and interesting to talk to, so let's get into it. Please welcome to the show, DJ Blakey. All right, you guys, we're here. It's the 20 Podcast. We have got DJ Blakey from the UK. Give it up. Oh, there's the crowd. They're here. They're rocking with you, Blakey. I've had a crowd for a while. I want to give you that feeling of being back to real life. Okay, there you go. 
<laughs> How you feeling? I'm good. I'm 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 all good. We've just had summer hit in London, which is when it comes round, people lose their minds. We don't get much of it, and when it hits, it just it becomes the best city in the world, and everyone's happier when it's sunny. Um, I know. Are you on the West Coast in the US? I am. I'm on the West Coast. I'm in Los Angeles, so we, you know, have a somewhat opposite thing where it's nice here all the time. People take it for granted. Um, And then it can also get insanely hot. So like today, it's about to be tomorrow. It says it's, you know, I know we're on Fahrenheit, so it's a little bit different, but it says that it's supposed to be 106 Fahrenheit where I live, which is insane. And Las Vegas is going to be almost 120 uh, Fahrenheit tomorrow. So it's hot out here right now. We're, uh, Damn, yeah, yeah, that's that's hot. I mean, before, obviously, we didn't go out to LA in 2020, but usually we go out to Anaheim every year for Nam, right? And I always cannot believe how hot it is, and that's winter over there. Like you guys have <laughs> it so good. We get maximum, we get say three months of like mostly okay weather, right? Um, but yeah, it's just started, so everyone's really happy here at the moment. That's great. I agree that London is one of the greatest cities on the planet Earth. It's one of my favorite places uh, that I've ever been. I've gone a few times when it's cold and when it's warm, but um, just, you know, that's where so much of my love for DJing and music comes from. So I'm really excited to talk to you because that's where you're from and where you've come up and added so much to that scene out there. But, uh, you know, I, I, I fell in love with DJing here growing up in LA, but once I got out there, I remember seeing, I was in a bar hearing Giles Peterson for the first time, and I didn't even know who he was, and this was back in the vinyl days, and he was freaking the, some type of pioneer that had the loop thing on it and all this stuff, and it was just blowing my mind, all the different genres he was mixing together, and we were some dark bar, like, down in, like, Piccadilly area or something, Um, and we would just go out buying records i would go to every record store and like we were talking about before i'd buy those tape packs we went to all these raves and fabric and we'd buy these tape packs of just you know 16 hours or however long it was of all the rave djs and the mcs and nikki black market and mc question marker i can't tc islam like all this crazy stuff from back in the day so i agree that's dope big up london (laughs) um but yeah, so so that's great that it's like that. What um as far as like DJ life and you know, public going out, restaurants, nightclubs, bars, what's that like out there for a DJ? So right now it's mostly back to normal. Um okay. so you can you can DJ in um you can DJ outside. You can go to a restaurant at the moment. However, they were, so what's the day now? It's the 14th of June. The plan was from the government, well, the plan was to open up everything entirely and, and, and get rid of all restrictions on Monday, the 21st of June. They just announced that they're going to put that back four weeks, which, what? which does suck. It means places like, like fabric, like you just mentioned, places like that can't open. Right. I actually, about an hour ago, I just saw fabric put up a post on Instagram saying that they're not going to be able to open on the 21st of June. Um, so it, it, it's not great, but it could be worse. Uh, like right now, compared to how it's been through much of the last 12 to 18 months, it's pretty good. Like 
I, a really good sign is that I'm getting hit up by a lot of artists who are out in clubs and they're asking me about drivers and things like that and certain right. issues I need to help with, which is, which is really good to see because it means people are out there working. So it's not perfect, but it's pretty good compared to how it's been recently. That's so great to hear. That's crazy that they pushed it off. I remember because I follow so many uh, UK DJs on Twitch, so I would see different people saying like, the 21st, here we go, getting my body ready, summer body, <laughs> things like that. Um, <clears throat> we've all been stuck inside. But yeah, that's that's crazy. They pushed it back. Hopefully that date holds. I mean, we're in a similar thing. I'm in Los Angeles. So what is it? June 14th. So tomorrow was our date for that. June 15th is supposed to be the date that everything opens back up. I don't know what that means. Like I went to dinner with my wife last night and we still have to like wear a mask inside, you know, into the restaurant until we sit down and then we take it off. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know. Just kind of, we've been following the rules and going with the flow and hopefully it's, it, you know, gets back to normal here too, but it feels like it slowly is. And I hope it holds, you know, the yeah. whole world. I hope we can get back to being interconnected and we can fly out there easily and you guys can fly out here and could be at NAM in January and all that stuff. Yeah, it's definitely heading in the right direction. And I'm lucky enough to have had both of my vaccines and we're doing a really good job in this country of rolling out the vaccine and we're really privileged to have the vaccine. So it's all, yeah. it's all heading in the right direction, you know. Um, I'm positive. And like I said, people are out there DJing. It's just right now you can't DJ like underground in a dingy club. But soon that will happen, I'm sure of it. Right. I know it's a weird, I was saying this to someone, like it's a weird time for DJing because everybody has that thing where they look at Instagram or something and go, oh, well, these people are doing this. I should be doing this. But it's hard to compare right now because everybody's in a different place and not all the places are open and maybe some smaller DJs that can work in smaller places or outside or for lower budgets are able to work more than people that are used to doing bigger events or things like that. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that has been great and, you know, we've been on and still active on is Twitch. Um, are you, you, you do Twitch weekly, right? Not at the moment. I have, so I will be doing a regular stream on the Serato channel okay. starting very soon, actually starting from next month. So I have done quite a few streams on Twitch, um, mostly in preparation for this, Got it. um, live stream I'm going to do on the Serato channel. Um, but it's great fun. I started doing it just to kind of practice it and sort of get used to the the new thing of, of you know, mixing the record, speaking on the mic, checking the chat. It was a totally alien thing to me. And to be honest, I felt like I was kind of late to to doing it. I only started doing it um, February, February, March time this year. Oh, wow. So I took to it fairly late, um, but I'm glad I did. It's good fun, especially when... You, you you don't even have to have a whole bunch of people watching, just enough to get the chat going. Right. Um, and then especially when you've got people in there who are into the same music that you're playing. It's good fun. It's really good fun. And that's been part of um, the Ice Relations role with Serato is helping DJs transition to streaming and get set up and, and get going with it. Um, yeah, it's been fun. That's great. Um, are you allowed to talk about what your show will be on Serato or should we just wait and see? Yeah. 
No, I can speak about it. So um, over on the Serato YouTube channel, you may have noticed a new series called Breaking In. Um, so Breaking In is simply one top-down shot of a controller or a mixer that I'm using to mix with and the um, Serato graphical user interface, so the, the virtual decks at the top. Right. Um, and it's essentially it's to help us showcase hardware and genres of music that are not covered in our other content. So for instance, recently I did a breaking in with the new, um, new Mark party mix Two controller. Um, and every time we release a new controller or a new mixer, I'll be doing a video to go on YouTube and I'll also be doing a live stream to accompany it. So it, it, up until now, it's just been a 10, 15 minute video on YouTube, but we're going to start doing a live stream too. And that will allow us to, um, have an educational slant to it as well. So people in the chat can ask questions about the controller and I can then answer them during the live stream. So yeah, it's, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be, it's going to be a great way of bringing some educational content to our Twitch channel, which we haven't done much of. Yeah, I agree. I think that's super cool. And it's a way people always have questions and there's other DJs that do things like that. And I noticed that so many DJs will flock to their channel and be asking, you know, from Mojax to Cleveland yeah. Terry um, to people like that. So uh, great. I'm excited to see that show, especially from you, someone that is so technical and knows so much and has inside of Serato, you know, and has all of the information. Yeah, thanks. I'm looking forward to it. It should be beginning from next month, um, and then it will be um, it will be regular. Not every week, but it will be a regular thing. Right. That's so cool. I love how Serato has been has really taken to Twitch and isn't afraid to experiment and do these beat making shows with Serato Studio and do like I said. I saw Cut Corners doing a podcast like this but live um, on there. I saw him interviewing, I think it was um, Jael or something, but it was so, you know, it's great to see. I love you guys embracing the the platform and pushing the culture forward like that. Awesome. Yeah, and we're not stopping either. Twitch, Twitch is a long-term thing for us. And as you've just mentioned, we've really kind of diversified our content recently. So we're doing podcasts, we're doing more Serato studio content, but we're obviously going to carry on doing the DJ thing. But over the past 12 months, it's almost exclusively been DJ sets. So yeah, we're going to keep the DJ sets, but do more of everything else. Right. That's so cool. Um, and, um, and I don't know if this is something we could talk about or not, but does the um, copyright stuff, has that, I know they've had recently something with the DMCA and Twitch seems fine with the live streaming, but has that affected any of your programming at all? The only thing that seems to affect um, for us and other DJs is playback. So as I'm sure you know, you get muted afterwards. Um, but yeah, I guess we're watching that um, situation closely. Um, but right now, seems to be all good live streaming on twitch yeah totally yeah just the the playback and the video on demand i know that really everybody says just delete your video on demand so you can save them yourself but don't have them up there and especially don't let people make clips um, because that's where you can get dinged and pulled down but then i see a lot of other people do it and it's totally fine so who knows yeah, I mean, the thing is with leaving the videos up is there's not a whole lot of point leaving it up if it's just mostly yeah. muted, you know? Right. So 
yeah, we, we don't leave ours up, but obviously we leave up the Serato Studio stuff and all of the podcasts, so you can go and check those out. And they're also... Um, we're also going to be putting them up on our YouTube channel afterwards as well, where we can. It's not always possible, but where we can, you can go and check stuff out there afterwards. Right. I think people have figured out other things. Like you see Scratch Bastard having his site, you know, Bastard's Barbecue, a subscription site, and then you're able to access his past sets and things there. Or some people probably have Patreon pages. Or there's other ways that you could work it where if you record it, you can still take the content that you've made and still utilize it in other ways yeah absolutely but yeah twitch i mean as as terrible as the past 12 to 18 months have been twitch has been a huge positive in the game like full stop yeah it's been great and i don't i don't see it going anywhere i think twitch is a thing now that's here to stay and it will be really interesting to see how many djs choose twitch over touring quite as much as they were i'm sure touring will still happen for all of these all of these djs but it'll be interesting to see if people go like head first back into touring or whether they kind of go half and half you know because i i'm not going to name any names but i know people who are doing really well out of it and it's great to see i love it same it's so cool to see i wonder if there will be some sort of um thing like how Mixcloud has the legal ability to do it if Twitch will take that on or with or if Mixcloud will rise to the occasion and try to compete get their service to compete with Twitch um I know that they say that it does compete with Twitch but I think that it doesn't have some of the features that the DJs are looking for yet um but I do think that it has potential we'll see what happens Yeah I think Mixcloud have done really well I think um, without, I'm certainly not going to badmouth Mixcloud, but I would yeah, say, same. and hopefully, hopefully somebody hears this from Mixcloud. I think it would be really, really valuable if they introduced a similar thing to raiding on Twitch. I think that's huge. huge. I think being able, DJs being able to raid other DJs has, is just an incredible way of showing love and just passing on, you know, just passing on love for us. It's amazing. Scene. That's I what I'm saying. If, yeah. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Raiding is the greatest thing in at the moment in DJing. It really is because whenever we're doing a stream on the Serato channel and, and it's one of my artists or, or I'm modding, I always raid one of the DJs that we're following. Right. And there's nothing there's nothing better than seeing the reaction of the DJ getting a raid from Serato where they're not expecting it. Like it's incredible. And it's really valuable. You you see raid trains all the time where DJs just DJ throughout the whole 24 hours and they'll just go from one DJ to the other. So I would love it if Mixcloud introduced something like that. And I think, I think that'd be really good for them. I agree. Like that is such a huge tool. I don't understand why some other sites don't do it too, because over the pandemic, uh, that app clubhouse blew up pretty big and I had some great conversations on there. I would talk to people, listen to people, get into so many interesting things, and they would just end. Some of them would have 5,000 people, and they would just end. And I'm like, why do they not have rating on Clubhouse? Like, I would love, I trust this person I'm listening to. They're telling me about whatever it is, from cryptocurrency to, you know, whatever this topic is we're talking about, Um, you know, DJing, music, this, that, live events. It would be great if they could go, okay, now we're going to raid into this, and then you you get to know more things. I feel like Clubhouse sort of fizzled out because 
it's impossible to discover. And it's the same thing on Mixcloud where it would be great if you could... The things I think would be great, like you said, if someone from Mixcloud is listening, is the rating feature, the ability to see how many people are watching you live at the time. Maybe that's in there now, but it wasn't in there before when I was trying it. And I feel like that's just a pretty standard thing because you can measure, is my channel growing and what's happening, you know, and is this that and then as well as the the encouragement of the tipping and the subscriptions like that's where twitch has it because people say oh well you could go do this on facebook or you could go do this on um you know uh um uh, whatever all the youtube and stuff like that but really like it's it's not um encouraged you know, the the tipping and all that stuff in there. So it's just kind of like Twitch has that culture built into it, which is helpful. And DJs yeah. are good at it because we're out there like, hey, go get another bottle or go tip your bartenders. You know, like we, we're salesmen in a way, you know, um, at these clubs trying to sell alcohol or help them sell art at an art gallery or whatever it is. We're trying to set this mood. So for us to sell subscriptions and bits and whatever is, is not that foreign. Yeah. And also, you know, it's it's easy to forget that Twitch, um, if you're just a DJ and you haven't been into watching like gamers stream on Twitch, it's easy yeah. to forget how long Twitch have been building their thing for. Yes. You know, it's been years. I, I, I've, I've watched Twitch over the years when certain video games come out, I'll jump on and check out the game. Um, but it feels new to DJs, but that thing's been around a long time. So yeah, people and the people using Twitch, they understand the whole bits thing. And you know, it's, it's all, it's all been there for a long time. Um, and just little things like the fact that it's the fact that it is owned by Amazon, just yeah. being able to subscribe every month to somebody with your, um, prime subscription, right. which, which is really valuable to a DJ. You know, if you build up enough of those that can pay your gas bill, you know, I know. No, it's so true. It's huge. Yeah. And, um, you know, like something else I wanted to talk. Well, <laughs> I don't know if this is even possible, but, you know, like this podcast is for BeatSource, obviously. But uh, and I use BeatSource. But I wonder if there will ever be a time because BeatSource has everything legal. Is there where they could? And I know nothing about this. I'm not saying this is happening, but like could Amazon or one of these companies utilize a company like that, like BeatSource, where they have all the stuff legal and do some kind of deal? Um, because the cool thing to me with BeatSource and DJs using it is that it's a real DSP, just like Spotify or Apple. So if somebody plays a full song off BeatSource or a certain amount of time, the artist gets paid from it, you know, rather than just if they DJ, you know, downloaded it from something and played it. So like you said, there's so many DJs doing it. Could you imagine if a hundred thousand DJs were all playing the song, it would build up for the artist, you know? And I wonder if that would, I don't know, encourage the labels and the artists and these companies to make it legal for the DJs to actually be playing these songs online. Totally. I mean, they've just got to all get in a room, right? Yeah. The thing that going back to Mixcloud, the thing that I can't quite get my head around is I know the people who, founded Mixcloud. I've been down to the Mixcloud offices in London multiple times over the years. Right. 
And I cannot understand how if this team of people in London have managed to make live streaming legal, completely 100% legal for DJs, how, how a company like Amazon can't do it. So I'm hoping, right. and I imagine that Amazon and Twitch are having these conversations in the background and yeah. hopefully something happens. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful because DJs on Twitch, that, that's not going anywhere. That's here to stay. Right. Yeah. And I just love how it's connected everyone in such a crazy way, like you said, through the rating and just through getting to know each other. And I mean, I'll raid somebody in Osaka with like an amazing bar and all these records and it looks so cool. And now I'm like, you know, I kind of know who that person is. And if I go to Japan, I'm going to that bar in Osaka, you know, and I learned about it from Twitch, from watching him DJ and pick his records. And um, it's just been such a great way to connect our community and uh help everything grow you know um do you have any other ideas like on the future of live streaming or how it's connecting us or the benefits of performing in this virtual space versus uh the real real life gigs well you know i think it's still early days um i wouldn't be surprised if we end up seeing um DJs being booked to play at like private parties through Twitch. Because yeah. I remember when when COVID first hit and DJs started playing on Twitch, True. what I would do is I would just Chromecast it from my phone to my TV and I've got my TV there and I've got a speaker plugged into my TV. So I would sit there and I'd have DJ Marky DJing in my living room with a speaker where I can hear the music properly. Me and too. it wouldn't surprise me if DJs started getting booked for birthday parties or whatever and they just DJ through someone's telly just to that crowd of people. Um, yeah. I'm surprised I haven't seen more of that, actually. Um, right. Maybe that's something that will start to happen. But I've also seen people getting really creative with DJing on Twitch and actually trying to build like a virtual club um, yeah. on Twitch. So there's a DJ in London called Volatile. Yep. And he's been killing it on Twitch, absolutely killing it. And he did an event where he hired out, um, I think it was a club, but it was a venue. And he had a screen in front of him where you could dial in and appear on the screen. And then he could talk to you like he'd be DJing. And then he talked to people who were essentially in the club, but they were just at home on their laptops. Wow. So that was awesome. So people have been, you know, stuff like that. It's, it's very much at the beginning. And I think that stuff will evolve because, you know, people, people love Twitch. Yeah, I agree. And the sky's the limit with it, you know, and and we're also just at the beginning as the Internet gets more powerful and as mobile and 5G and all this stuff comes into play. I mean, the creativity level might just be nuts. People are going to be in their Tesla, you know, doing a stream that's going to look just as high quality as something, anything else. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? So that's great. And yeah, Volatile, shout to him. I love his his channel. He does exactly what he wants musically. He knows how to set the vibe, talk to the crowd enough where it's really fun and you get to know him, but you get to know his music as well. And he's a great DJ and he comes up with these creative ideas. So I think that's a great example of, of what could be done, you know? Um, and then same with yeah. OBS. I mean, like, this is the most insane program. You know, when someone told me, I'm like, how do I stream on Twitch? I, I have my phone and my thing. And they go, oh, you got to get OBS. I'm like, what the hell is that? And I start looking into it. I'm like, wow, like just a community of people building this program, the most futuristic thing ever. You know, you don't buy this, you don't buy it. At, there's just a community of people working on it because they love it. I mean, it's, uh, 
Yeah. I love that. <laughs> it's so cool. Oh uh, yeah. OBS. OBS has been one of the biggest discoveries for me ever in music. And yeah. the fact that it's free, you know, like a, a, an application that has that much power, you should be paying for that. The fact right. that it's free is remarkable and, and open source. It's incredible. It's amazing. Um, and, and, yeah, like Zoom and OBS were the two major apps of, of COVID of 2020. Oh, yeah, so much. And, I mean, they, they brought let me perform, you know. I mean, I I, um, I recorded pre-done sets in OBS and would send them in and did a New Year's gig, and they broadcasted them. Or I did things on Zoom for my kid's school, and I would DJ all of his school fundraisers and things like that through Zoom. I mean, it's unbelievable doing this podcast, you know, all this stuff. So um, thank God for technology. And, you know, you just had to jump in and try to figure it out. And every day I'm still figuring it out. Uh, new things, new cameras and new equipment. But it's so cool. So, yeah, I love you, OBS, uh, whoever you are, <laughs> <laughs> all the people <laughs> making it happen. Um what are some of the things that, that you think you've learned uh, through the lockdown or having to be inside, you know, as a DJ? I know you work for Serato and you have a job, but also you're a true DJ who's been out there doing it forever. Uh, are there any things that you've taken away from having to change your schedule and be inside so much? Well, I, I learned a few new skills uh, when, when lockdown hit. Um, so we've filmed videos at the, at the London studio, plenty of them over the last three, four years. <clears throat> but we've always got someone in to shoot the videos. So pers on a personal level, I, I learned how to shoot video and I got busy with cameras. And um, that, was a, that was a major new skill that I learned. Um, and again, going back to the live streaming stuff, a lot of my... Uh, previous 12 months has been taken up with getting DJs on board with streaming, helping them with that. Um, so yeah, I, I would, I would say live streaming again yeah. has been a huge thing. Um, before we go on, I just wanted to quickly go back to something you mentioned before when we were speaking about volatile, you mentioned that he has been playing music that he loves, like music that he's into. Right. I think that out of, out of streaming on Twitch in the past year, I think that has been the most important thing that's that's come out of it is all of these djs have come out and started playing music that they love and i'm sure you can relate to this when you're out there djing in clubs that isn't necessarily always the case you end up you know playing to the crowd that you're there to please you know yeah of course um, and it's been incredible watching people just go out there and just go you know what i'm just going to play music that i love and that's something that i tried to do when i was streaming on my own channel um going back to my roots and playing uk garage and and hip-hop and things like that yeah so that's been great I, I i just love it when a dj is there playing music that is clearly just for them because that's right. what twitch should be about for me it I agree. Really is. Yeah. And that's, it helps me get to know the DJ, their personality, where they come from. I'm like, I didn't know they were into that. Um, and you, you really get to know all the different factors. You know, some of them are, have been so into nineties hip hop. Some of them love some of the cheesy club music, which I didn't know, you know, like some, I come from where, okay, we got to play this kind of stuff because the people like it, but I don't necessarily like it. And then I'll see some DJs and I'm like, oh, they actually like that stuff. And no, no disrespect. I mean, that's good, but I, it's so interesting to, to learn everyone's personality and their taste through that. And I think that's really the place to do it. Um, it just goes back to 
the beginnings of DJing and why we started DJing. You know, I just started DJing because I wanted to play <laughs> underground hip hop, drum and bass, funk music, doubles, show where a sample came from, things like that. I And then once I got into club world and getting paid, you realize, okay, you got to make people dance. It's a whole different thing. So that's that's really a part of Twitch that people should lean into. I agree. A hundred percent. And it, it has been amazing to watch certain DJs build a following based on them playing music that they love. Yes. Because I mean, how, how gratifying is that to build an audience who love what you play and it's what you truly want to play. So like DJ Marky from Brazil, who, who's a drummer based DJ. Yeah. One of one of my favorite streamers of the past twelve Same. months. Me too. Obviously, he's been he's been killing it with the drum and bass, but he also does quite a lot of um, influences sets, yep. which are just incredible. He actually started doing it on Instagram, yeah, um, just through the through the microphone on his phone, um, and then I got in touch with him. I've been in touch with Marky for a while. He obviously uses Serato, and we sent him a Roland Go mixer, so he plugged that into his phone, and then he started to get real audio. Um, and then he moved on to Twitch and he's killing it on Twitch. Um, but yeah, like there's, there's countless examples of people who are, who are, are really getting their due for, for doing what they love. And again, volatile is one of them. Um, there's another guy who I want to shout out actually, who I think has been a real success story over in this country. And that's a guy called Ray Domingo. I don't know if you've seen any of his streams. Definitely. He's one of the people I, I was referring to when I said I heard them talking about, oh, this date, June 21st. Um, but he's great. I raided into him one night. I had a ton of people. It was the middle of the night. And he was doing a morning set. And I was looking through and I'm like, you know what? I've never raided Ray before, but I watch him. So I raided into him. And I think I did a Boom Bap Mondays one time where we were both on the bill. Um, but he's great. He's someone that I had no idea who they were and got to know him um, along with a, a ton of other DJs. And Marky as well is someone that I've been a fan of forever. I mean, I have, of course, his most classic 12-inch you know, record, his hit record, um, you know, with the guitar sample. I can't even remember what it's called right now. Um, LK. Yeah, LK. Yeah, the stamina. Yeah, it's like, I like it. You like it. So I, I huge fan of Marky, but seeing him through quarantine on Instagram and then over to Twitch, I watched his whole transition of all of it. And um, I would go ride my bike and just like listen to him DJ his influence set or a drum and bass set. And it was so inspirational and cool. And, uh, and just the fact that I could travel around the world. I would listen to a set from, you know, Zagon from Brazil. Then I'd head over to Marky in Brazil. Then I'd listen to DJ Nuts from Brazil. Then I'd go over to Jazzy Jeff, you know, in Philly. And then I'd be in L.A. listening to Melody. And, and it's like I'm on the world tour just on my bike, like riding around or back home, like you said, Chromecasting to my TV. I mean, it was kind of my dream come true. You know, it's like my own coachella or some festival that i get to go to and i want to see all the djs but i get to just change the channel and be so close to them and hear the perfect uh you know fidelity not have to wear earplugs and stuff yeah and and ray domingo started at the very bottom and just organically has got himself to partner and amazing he's he's absolutely killed it there's there's another dj a girl in the uk called dj mia moore um, who's another great example of someone who just gave it a go and is nice. doing really well out of it. Okay, I need yeah. to check her out. I haven't seen her yet. 
And that's the thing I'm constantly learning. Like every time there's a new raid or somebody talks about someone or I see on the discover thing below, I try to go to the streams you might like um, area because it's not the best, but I still find some people in there sometimes, you know, that I'll, that I might like. Definitely. <laughs> so, but yeah, Ray Domingo kills it. I love his music taste. I love his energy. I love everything he brings to the the table at, at, on Twitch. And the cool thing I think right now that we're about to see that we haven't seen yet is the comp, the transition back into real life. So this Thursday, um, there's this um, girl, Lonnie Love. She's on there. She's someone else that came on in the beginning in the beginning has been killing it she has a crew with a few other uh, women djs um, called club mesh and they've built up this big following and all this great stuff and this thursday they're doing a party in real life in la and i saw her posting about it like okay people they're gonna have name tags for all the twitch people to put their handle so you'll know who the hell you know this you know like loghead 503 you know all these weird names like um are and um but it, I, i'm so interested to see how this will work or i've seen people saying okay my subscribers can get into the club i'm djing free in whatever city and um you know i i'd love to see the the people from twitch come into real life and come to these either ticketed events or be able to come to the club events and have vip status because of their sub or something like that Dope. Yeah, I actually want to shout out my colleagues in New Zealand because they put on an event in Auckland called Live and Direct, and it was all streamed on Twitch. Um, I think it was like an eight-hour event, and they had, in the actual venue, they had screens on either side of the DJ booth that had the Twitch chat um, for everyone there to see. Um, And we're going to be doing more of those as well. Um, I think the plan is to actually try and do one in... um, other territories so maybe do one in london maybe do one in la maybe new york but none of that's been confirmed yet but yeah like there's definitely going to be this mesh of both of those worlds and that sounds really cool the thing that you just mentioned yeah i think it's great everybody this is where the creativity can be taken to the next level and see how it can uh interact with real life stuff in the same way people are doing with the nfts and all that stuff you know okay you buy my nft and you have access to whatever it is you know steve aoki just came out with this whole insane plan where all the different levels and and tiers and the amount of nfts you own and blau and all these people doing it so you know in the same way where you're big subscribers and i mean i would love to go i love going to see four color zach dj normally but i'd love to go see him in a venue where he gets to just pull off exactly what he does on twitch to a crowd you know and then somehow we can be interactive rather than just the dancing normal old school way you know yeah Absolutely. I think there's a there's something to that. And just being able to stream things and watch them like Red Bull 3 style and things like that 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 we used to watch you know other ways. It's cool now that we're all used to Twitch. There's there's ways to do it. And even Chris Via, like he streams his gigs now, but then he also has like the people he was explaining it to me it's confusing, but he'll have people at the gig asking what he's doing and then they'll subscribe to his Twitch channel live, but they're standing in front of him and he's like showing him how to do it. Um, so 
you know, more, more income, more connection, a new way to get to know your audience. And, uh, yeah, it's so cool. And speaking of events and live events and virtual events and all that stuff, um, I know that Serato and BeatSource are coming together to do a webinar series called What's Next. Uh, and they're talking yeah. about how DJs can leverage streaming into their own service line as well as current live streamers to expand their existing setup, revenue, like all that stuff. So basically... Um, you know, you guys have come together to create these, I think, three webinars, um, one for the West Coast on June 23rd, one for the East Coast of the United States on June 30th, and then on July 7th for the UK with a different group of five uh, speakers. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm just, you know, trying to remember and that's listen all, in my notes. That's all spot on. <laughs> um, okay, great. And so... Um, what what will that be like? You know, I have some of the information in front of me, but if you want to talk about it, I know you're a big part of that. So I think that's super exciting and something that once this episode comes out, uh, it will be available for DJs to sign up. And actually, let me let them know before you get into it. Uh, the link is link.beatsource.com slash what's dash next. So um, rewind that if you need to. But uh, go check that out, and uh, yeah. we'll put the link in the description, I'm sure. Uh, and sign up is only a certain amount of RSVP spots. But, um, yeah, what are some of the things that you think DJs will get out of this? What are you going to talk about? What is it even going to be like? So the webinar is to help DJs in this current COVID world and also the post-COVID world, because right. hopefully we're coming to the end of it now. Yes, I hope um, so. That remains to be seen, I guess. But um, yeah, this is a webinar to help DJs expand their revenue streams um, and how they can how they can take advantage of this new digital world. So at each event, as you mentioned, the first one will be June 23rd on the West Coast. And at each of these events, we're going to have one content creator that we speak with. Um, and we're also going to have uh, a DJ that we speak with somebody who has done well, maybe on Twitch, um, YouTube, things like that. Um, so for the West coast, I'm actually going to tell you who we have. Nice. So for the West coast event, this will be hosted by stars Davis from B source. Um, and my colleague cut corners, Matt Perry. Um, and, for the West Coast, we're going to have Cleveland Terry, who's going to be talking about how he has done in, in lockdown and the new the new moves he's had to make to keep up with this world. Right. Um, and we're going to have Bella Fiasco as well, who has been killing it on Twitch, amongst yes. other things. Um, now, for the East Coast, again, we'll have Stars Davis and my colleague who runs the New York studio, OP. And we'll have Nick Spinelli, um, who you're familiar with, I'm sure. Yeah. And JMKM, who again has been killing it on Twitch. And then we'll have the UK event, and that's going to be hosted by myself and Mojax. And we're going to have Lily Kay, who is a German DJ who has been, again, killing it on Twitch. I highly recommend you go and check her out on Twitch. Okay, I need to. And we're going to have UK, UK DJ Andy Purnell, who has been yeah. creating a lot of content and been doing really well on TikTok as well. And that's another thing that we're going to speak about. TikTok is, be is becoming super important now if you're a content creator and you're a dj who oh, is active on social media 
don't ignore TikTok. It's, I know, I know. Everybody likes to say, oh, it's for the kids. I can't get on TikTok. I'm like, you were going to regret it. In the same way that you were saying about Instagram and you waited too long, don't wait too long on TikTok. Like, I've been on there. And, um, like, I was even telling you um, before we started, like, I have record labels hit me up and, and publishing companies to try to have them help me find um, producers and DJs to do remixes. But the new thing I've been hit up for are to find DJs who are just doing blends and mashups on TikTok that they think can help them blow up. Yeah. So, yes, I understand there's some annoying things on TikTok to some DJs that are like, oh, this person's doing that, or I used to do this, or it's fake. But I would really take the same way you jumped into Twitch and put your passion into it, I would... Do that on TikTok. Um, I know it, and it might feel weird at first. And I'm actually talking to myself in this. You know, I've been uh, doing TikTok for like a, a while, a little while, but I haven't put as much energy into it. And um, I had like a couple videos go like viral. You know, all of a sudden I was like, oh shit, I got a billion hits on this random one. You know, like it was a four second video of a girl coming into the DJ booth and being annoying, you know? And I think that like somehow hit on TikTok. I think I've seen that. I think I've seen that. <laughs> so, you know, you never know what, but I think that, but I, what I do notice is if you go into your passion and your passion is mixing these songs together, it might hit on TikTok and it's something to put your time into. And it's something that labels, bookers and all types of people are going to be looking into whether you like it or not. So I would, um, yeah, I would put your time into that. And that's such a great group of guests, everybody you named. I will proudly say that most of them have been on this podcast, which is so cool. Um, so, yeah, Bella Fiasco, JMKM, um, Cut Corners, uh, Cleveland Terry, everybody. Um, I have not – what was the um, – for the UK, you, you said her name was Lily K. Yeah, Lily K. Um, okay. She is German. She's currently based in New York. Um she's she's great we actually just had her do a takeover of our channel um nice. i think it was just last week actually amazing um yeah she's brilliant i highly recommend you okay go check gotta her check out. her and out the, and um yeah nick spinelli i know who he is but he has not been on here yet but uh, i think that would be a great person to come on but most everyone else oh and yeah. andy purnell yeah he's great he's like just makes you like feel happy because while you're watching him, I don't know why he has like this smile and he looks like he's having so much yeah. fun that you're just like, I'm having fun yeah. too, Andy, let's go. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and he's a real champion for UK music as well. He's, yes. he's big on his grime and his drill. So I love it. Yeah. We've got a great lineup. And also I should mention that, um, on each of those events, the Serato representative on that call. So it'll be me for the UK, right. um, OP for the East coast and Matt for the West coast. We will be going through showing you how to live stream with Serato and OBS. So we'll show you everything that you need to do. And because we've put in a lot of, um, live streaming tools in Serato DJ pro. Now you can actually live stream and use Serato from the same laptop. So we'll be showing you how to do all of that. It, it couldn't be easier amazing i know i love that once you guys uh you know implemented the ability to share the audio with other things i didn't have to use loop back and all those extra things i had been i had learned over time you know the amount of different i rigs and things i have like on this side of my room is crazy <laughs> roland go mixers i rigs road podcasters and endless shit but now you don't even need it so it's so great i just do the share and just like i was trying to show my son 
you know, I don't have it here, but one of the Hercules controllers or one of those little ones, a new mark or something. And I'm playing with it. And then I remembered, oh, because I was like, oh, you need headphones. I was like, oh, I pushed the button where it just came out of laptop speakers. And I was able to teach him some little thing. And then we could go to soccer practice. So, uh, so much nicer, you know, to be able to even just show up and coming DJs or his friends at school that are like, oh, you're a DJ. What do you do? Rather than going, okay, you got to come to my place and have it plugged in and all that stuff. So I love it. Yeah, that's another thing that we put into the software post post first lockdown. So, you know, when COVID first hit, that's one thing that I do love about Serato is that working for a company like this is they are very happy to just put certain plans back a little bit to do right. the right thing now for the DJ. So putting in all of the live stream stuff, that wasn't in the roadmap at all, but they got it done and it's really helped a lot of people. Yeah. One thing, I guess, selfishly and probably people listening, uh, I want to ask about that. And if you have no answer, totally understand. But um, when are when do you think, is there any sort of roadmap or timeline for the revamp of the library, like the music library and the ability to um, my personal number one top thing that would help me so much is the ability to search crates. Um I've been DJing on Serato since the beginning. That. I mean, since two, I've been on since 2005, I want to say, or maybe 2006 or five, since the beginning. And I still have a lot of the crates. And um, I know I can hack it and go in the back and search through my things and find it. But if I were able to just easily search for a crate the same way I can search for a song, it would change my life. <laughs> it would be so great. Um, and I just wonder, I know it has something to do with the system serato was built on and it's it's way easier said than done to just go add this feature because they have to revamp it all but is there any um an op1 was on here and said that's being worked on but i didn't know how much that's being pushed forward <laughs> or if that's a priority so this is an, an awkward moment because <laughs> i don't know how much i can okay. tell you that's fine totally fine um but what I will say, so did you say you had OP on and he mentioned something? <laughs> he did mention that um, they know about that. They have a huge plan to revamp the library and make it wonderful and take into all of the things that everybody has suggested and that they all understand all of the things that we're talking about. I think it was very vague and that was a paraphrase of what he said sort of. Okay, well, I'll, I'll tell you this. So this was quite a long time ago now. So we're talking about 18 months ago. I went out to Auckland. We normally go out there once a year, all of the AR team to sort of see everyone at yeah. HQ. And we had a long conversation about the library with the products team and the executive team, actually. And it's something we're well aware of. It's something that we want to do. And it's something that there are plans to do. Um, I cannot give you a date for many reasons. Number one, I, I, I'm not allowed to. But number two, because of COVID, certain things have been pushed back. Right. But what I will say is it's it's definitely something we're aware of and it's something that is being worked on. I can definitely say that. Right. But That's good to I know. I can't say any more. Okay. It would yeah. be cool to even have like a standalone separate library only 
uh, program in the same way you guys created Serato Sample and Studio, even if it wasn't even built into the actual program, just something that could be built that could then sync up with it and help organize. Like even the ability to just um, grab 20 crates and move them somewhere instead of having to go click one, move, you know, it's like the most um, old school way of doing things. It feels like a lot of the stuff, you know? Yeah, totally. Another thing I can say is um, I won't go into too much detail here because it is a little bit, and you may have, it's a little bit boring and you may have heard it before, but the, the code that is written for the library in Serato is very, 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 very old. Right. And, the reason that nothing can change with the library in its current state is because if from what i from what i understand if you were to change some of the library code as it is today it would break other things in the software and it's yeah. too too tricky to do of but if and when a new library does come along it will be built in a way where we can add to it whenever we you know want to and depending on what people want we can then add certain features so that is that's a huge positive and like i said it's 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 something they're aware of and something that work is being done on so that's as much as i can say i'm afraid okay that's fine that's fine we we know that it's (laughs) not being ignored (laughs) um i know people will want to hear that and i just wanted to ask myself to see if there was any sort of Oh, well, we got this come in at this point, um, but that that helps. Um, all right, well, let's get into uh, your history. You know, you have such an interesting history in the DJ world, and I feel like you are um, a person who has had many chapters in their DJ book, and I think it would be very interesting for DJs to hear your journey, how it started, and how it started through the pure love of the art of DJing, the music you were into, scratching, and just doing it completely for no other reason but the love of it, um, and then where it has led you, you know. So um, where, how did you first start out, and who were some of your influences when you first began? So um, I started a long time ago. So I started when I was about 11 or 12 i'm 35 now 36 next week actually um and i started by my my brother and some of his friends they all chipped in some money to buy a set of decks uh you know not not a great set of decks but back in those days that's what you did when you were that old if you loved music that's what you did because it was all on vinyl and I'm, um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to not sound like an old man when you talk about <laughs> the mid nineties. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it all started from that. They got these turntables and I went round there one day. I'd always been into music even before that. And I went round there one day and I was just kind of fascinated by it. And because I was the young, younger brother, I wasn't really allowed to use them that much. But from that moment, I, became pretty obsessed with it. Um, I can't remember exactly how old I was when that happened, but I think I was about 11. And I I was into garage music back then. At this point, I wasn't interested in the whole turntablism thing. I was just into garage and used to listen to pirate radio every day because that's what everybody did then. You would listen to pirate radio, you'd go into school the next day, and everyone would listen to the same thing. Right. Um, and it all started from there and i just became more and more obsessed with it i started to build 
a small record collection because I, I was I was too young to like go out and buy records every single week. But I started to build a record collection, and I managed to convince my mum to buy me a very cheap Newmark DJ in a box type thing, right. which was like two two belt drive turntables, a mixer, needles, headphones, and speakers. And it was incredibly cheap. It was like even, so this would have been about 1997. This would have cost about 200 pounds, um, which was really cheap. And and right. no, not throwing any shade at Newmark, but it felt cheap. You know, <laughs> every part of it felt very, very budget. Yes. But having said that, I, I spent so much time on these turntables that I... I, I kind of learned how to control them, even though they were turntables that if you just push them a tiny bit, they just went and went and went. So you have to have a really <laughs> delicate touch. Yes. And I just, that's, that's how I learned. And I'm really glad I did because whenever I then use Technics turntables, because I, I, I had a few friends who were, who, whose parents were quite rich and they had Technics turntables. So I would go around their house and I just couldn't believe that they had these decks and it was just like my dream to have right. 1200s. Um, <laughs> Amazing. And yeah, I basically learned on belt drives and got to a point where I managed to get one 1200 and can't actually remember how old I was at that point. I think I would have been 13 or 14 because when I was 15, about to turn 16, I entered my first DMC competition Um so I must have got that first 1200 around 14 years old because I've got one 1200, which I learned to just scratch on because I had to get rid of all of my setup to get this 1200. So I had the Newmark blue mixer and one 1200 and then couldn't mix. So I just learned to like transform and, and chirp and, and do, do certain scratches. Um, I must mention as well. I almost forgot to mention that um, I, just randomly happened to buy a magazine one day at a shop yeah. and it was a magazine called seven and yeah. this magazine was run by dmc right and it came with a vhs and the vhs was kind of like a compilation tape of um of dmc highlights from over the years and that buying that was the thing that really really got me into into scratching and turntablism and i became really obsessed with dmc videos from that point so i just there was a record store in Kingston in Southwest London called beggars banquet records. And they used to stock all of the DMC videos and that's how I got into it. And I just became utterly obsessed with it. Utterly obsessed. I did nothing else with my time. Well, that's great. That's what leads to greatness a lot of the time. And the, I mean, same, we were obsessed with these videos back in the day. Like, any one we could get, you know, VHS, and we would watch from Hubert to, you know, DJ Swamp lighting his records on fire to, like, every crazy thing. You're like, what are they doing? This is mind-blowing. Mixmaster Mike and Rob Swift and Executioners and, you know, all that stuff. And I used yeah. to go to every ITF battle in the Bay Area and, um, you know, whatever was happening. Um, <clears throat> and I know that, um, you know, someone else that we had on the show – uh, UK DJ, DJ Complexion, um, we had 
you have some sort of connection with him through scratching as well. I know he's a dope scratch DJ. Now he has his amazing future beats show. Actually, my phone just popped up and said uh, on Twitch that he just went live doing his future beats show, which um, is kind of how I met him. I would, I tuned into this show and I'm like, who is this guy? He seems super cool. I love everything he talks about and his, his, um, ideas and then the music he's playing is so dope you know and so we just kind of became friends like that he came on the show and I just you know we had like uh, similar mental states I guess I don't know you know I just felt like we connected in that way so what's your connection with him so Complexion's a really good guy so we're actually from roughly the same area in southwest London oh wow and before I had 1200 turntables this was when i still had the belt drives there was a youth club in the town that i'm from called heatham house and they used to have a flight a big flight case that had two 1200s and a mixer which is just incredible because it, it meant that i could go and regularly regularly practice on 1200s and i was a garage dj back then i wasn't really playing hip-hop or even really into hip-hop at that point to be right. honest i was just into garage and a little bit of drum and bass yeah. um so me and my friends would go down there and we would take turns to like mix and play garage records one day complexion who i think he's only a, a couple of years older than me right. came down but he seemed so much older um <laughs> yeah and he was the first DJ that I'd ever saw cutting up a record. Oh, wow. I'd seen it on video at that point, but I'd never seen anyone do it before. And he, um, I'm pretty sure he was cutting up the acapella from Simon Says. I'm pretty sure. Um, and that was the first time I ever saw it live. And like, if you were to ask pretty much any scratch DJ why they got into it, they'd usually say, I saw someone do it and it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. Yeah, you know? Totally. And that's, after seeing it on the videos, it was really cool. But then seeing someone do it live, it was just, like I said, I got utterly obsessed with it. And me and Complexion have been friends ever since. Oh, and actually, great. Complexion's going to be on, he's going to be on the podcast Unscripted with Cut Corners soon. Oh, great. I don't know the exact date yet, but Complexion will be on the Serato channel doing the podcast with Cut Corners. So keep an eye out for that. Nice. He's so great. I mean, he he just has such an optimistic, positive outlook on just other human beings and life and and his sayings that he says and next week best week and uh you know i just got mad love for him so that's so cool that you know you such an amazing award-winning scratch battle dj uh heard him cutting for the first time is such a crazy connection i love that yeah and also like he's killing it right now he just got yep. a radio show on bbc one extra doing um, the future wave mix. Yeah. So obviously he's got the future beat show and he's now doing a show called the future wave mix on BBC sounds. So check that out as well. It's well-deserved. I'm so happy for him. Um, he puts in so much work and you know, I've seen his channel grow on Twitch and the amount of uh, work he's put in on Twitch is just been great. Um, that's so cool. Yeah. And, yeah. and even before Twitch, like complexion was one of, Oh yeah. Like he started doing the future beat show and that was, I mean, that's been going for oh, yeah. years it's, now. It's huge on SoundCloud and, for sure. Like I'm, uh, yeah. I was just saying from Twitch, from me seeing him, but yes, I mean, he's been putting in work forever like that. Yeah. Yeah. And he was one of the first people that I'd seen 
start a thing that is from the heart. It's like, no, I yes. just want to do a thing where I play music that I love. And it's, it's, it's took off and it's great to see. Yeah, that's why Twitch was actually perfect for him to come into because he's like, I've been doing this. I created this whole thing, uh, you know, on radio and on SoundCloud and created this massive SoundCloud following. So for him to dive right into it with Twitch and bring them in was really cool to see. Yeah, he's already built his community. Yeah. And so, so, so you got into it like that. And then what inspired you to then enter the battles because you won you know, you've won many DMC battles. Um, you know, you've got some legendary routines that people can check out on YouTube. Um, particularly I think, uh, the 2004 DMC routine. Is that one of your, your most proud of ones? That was the main one. Yeah. That was the, that was winning the UK DMCs in 2004. Um, I'd actually entered the DMCs for the first time in 2001 when I was still 15. Mm -hmm. Um, and didn't didn't do didn't do great, but I did okay. So at, at a DMC event back then, you right. would you were fifteen for every though. I mean, for every <laughs> that's like a track yeah. level. A <laughs> track won the worlds though. He was a lot better than me at fifteen. I mean, I remember, and I was like, "Who is this child? Like, this is unbelievable." Like, that was just crazy to see that he, you know, he was just child prodigy, amazing. He still is, obviously, but. Um, that's so cool. Okay, so you entered when you were 15. You didn't win, but you still did pretty good, which is commendable right there. Yeah, so I got to the the final of the of the London heat. So yeah. basically back then, every city, they would maybe do like eight heats around the country, and anybody could enter the heat, and you would get three minutes during the daytime to impress the judges, and then they would put 10 uh, competitors through to the final of that heat and I got through to the final of that heat which was which was not expected at all right um and I was because I was still 15 they had to actually like hide me in a back room in the venue because <laughs> I wasn't meant to be there oh my god I've seen that in Vegas like I remember they'd be booking Martin Garrix and all these people and they're like he's not allowed to be in the casino but he's getting paid so much money to play at the club so they'd be like they'd have to sit in the hotel room and then the security would have to get him and get him right to the club, to the booth. He'd have to perform and then just leave. You know, anyone, because there was a bunch of underage people that would have a huge hit EDM song, but they were, you know, 19 or something. So I've seen that. That's that's so yeah. funny. You had to hide going in there and you're competing yeah. against these people. Unbelievable. Yeah. So I was, I was really spurred on by that because I got further than I thought I would. Yeah. So that was, that would have been, that would have been like May, 2001. And then I entered the DMCs every year. Um, did okay in 2002. I actually got to the UK final in 2002. Wow. And even that was like, you know, like a dream come yeah. true to just be in the UK final That's huge. and not something that I expected it, but it happened. And I, I did okay. I think I, I could be wrong here, but I think I came fifth in that UK final, which is, which I wasn't expecting. And then I started at that point, I started to realize I, I could really put time into this and maybe do okay. So that was when I really knuckled down and really took it seriously and basically practiced nine hours a day, you know, wow. doing a level of practice that didn't feel like that because I was genuinely doing it because I wanted to. Right. So it's 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 funny because it's only in hindsight that I realize how great it was to have a thing that you were so obsessed with that 
time just goes by. So it's not, back then it's not as if I was like saying to myself, right, you have to practice nine hours a day. I just did it because I really, really love doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, so then 2003, I came second in the UK final. Um, and then, and then I was like, right next year, I've got to take this and then put everything into it. And then fortunately won the 2004 UK DMC final and then went on to the world final and came fourth, which is, I'm, I'm considering the DJs who came above me in the world final. I'm very proud of that. That's amazing. That's so, that's huge. And it's so fun to watch your routine on there. Um, you, I mean, you do some really creative, crazy stuff, like taking apart the turntable and turning it upside down and taking off the stylus and taking, you know, and also, you know, you tap into your love in the same way we keep talking about, um, Twitch and everything. I think you ended your set with, um, a garage garage, uh, song, right. Uh, and then recreated like the bass using that crazy sound. So you were doing something like you said that you were passionate about and that you love. And I think that's what shown, that's what showed through and you won. So that, that says a lot about it. Yeah, it was, um, I, so th- this trick that I ended the set with, I still don't quite understand it to be honest. <laughs> All I know is that if you use a 1200 or a 1210 turntable with a Shaw M447 needle and cartridge, right? if you take the stylus off the cartridge, that's important. You take the stylus off the cartridge right? and then you take the platter off the turntable and then you take the little um, seven inch adapter and you put that on the spindle and then you put the platter back on upside down. If you then manually spin it yeah. and you put the cartridge onto the magnet it creates the most insane bass wobbly sound. It was depending nuts. on how fast, depending on how fast you spun the platter, right. the wobble will get faster. I still don't understand it. <laughs> I don't even remember how I came up with it, to be honest. Um, all I know is that it worked. And I remember, I do remember the moment where it happened and I was like, this is crazy. That has a- to be something in this. That, yeah. Because dubstep as well in the UK, right? like, the, the early dubstep was just becoming a thing and grime as well. So the fact that it created such a kind of dark wobbly baseline sound just felt so apt at that time as well. It was, it was a very happy accident. Right. That's so cool. Um, well it was, yeah, I'm glad you discovered it and figured and now you don't know how you did it, but, uh, so cool to watch and listen to, you know, later. Um, so then I, go- I, I keep saying to myself, yeah. Sorry, no, I keep no, saying go, to myself please. one day I'm going to do, I keep saying I'm going to do a YouTube video where I kind of try and break it down and then try and work out what's actually happening because I've never done that. I've never really dug into what's creating that sound because right. something's going on there because there's no stylus. So there's no... It was also just impressive uh, like how quickly you took off the platter. <laughs> Surprised me. Do you know you what? like banged was, on it. I was like, what's he doing? You're like, boom, bap. I'm like, okay, wait, does he have it loose? How did he do that so fast? So I learned after many attempts that all you need to do is, you know, you know how the platter has like a couple of holes. Yeah. You just put your fingers in. You just, you just hook your finger in one of those holes and then you just need to get something heavy and bang the spindle and it will pop off. That's That's so funny. I watched you do it in the video and I'd rewound. I'm like, what is he doing? And you're like, 
boom, bap. I'm like, oh, what? Is, he has some hack. Let me know. tell you a funny story about that, actually. <laughs> um, so the tool that I used to get the platter off was just a big, heavy screwdriver like with a big, fat end. Okay. Um, and I used to carry it around in my DJ bag in case I ever needed to get the platter off. They're like, he's going to kill the and other then, DJs. <laughs> and then uh, not very long after that, UK DMC final. In yeah. fact, no, not long after the world final, I got a flight somewhere and no. I forgot to take it out of my <laughs> out of my bag. So I actually I actually went through the X-rays where you go through to your gate and they right. found it and they took it off me. So that's long gone. Oh my god! How many DJs are searched? Like they think that we got bombs and they've opened my that blue case, you know, with the needles and they're like, "What is this?" I'm like, "Needles." They're like needles i'm like yeah for like turntables you know how many they always like go, what are all these wires and djs are the most false setting off the security thing you know you're like i'm using that to take off the platter of a turntable they're like i don't know i what mean you're talking about. do you know what i didn't i didn't even try and explain no, it because let them take I mean, it yeah as if it's gonna work so i was like yeah right take it. but it was it, it must have been must have belonged to my dad. I just found it around the house, <laughs> big screwdriver, and it was perfect. And I just had it in my back pocket in the DMC set, and then bang, wow. took it off. So if you ever need to get a platter off a twelve ten, just hold the platter up slightly, bang the middle, and it will pop off immediately. That is so funny! Oh my god, go look in your dad's toolbox, and then you'll be able to pop it off. I don't know if you can do that to the CDJ though. That might not work as good, but you can. <laughs> Pop that sucker off and you're never using it again. Um, so going from the battles and all that stuff, you've had so many different, um, you know, chapters in your career, like I mentioned. Um, and you, I know from there, did you go to being on the radio from being a battle DJ? Yeah. So I ended up doing a radio show on BBC One Extra, um, almost immediately actually off the back <clears throat> of winning the UK DMCs. Oh, cool. um, the D winning, winning the DMCs was pretty much the only time in my career where I've, where I've seen an opportunity and sort of laser lasered towards it. And yeah. like, I need to do that. Whereas everything else that's happened after that has been an opportunity that's just kind of come along organically. Right. Um, and that's what happened with One Extra. I remember meeting some producers from One Extra actually at the UK final event after mm. I'd won, um, and they stayed in touch. Oh, cool. And they eventually they asked me to come down and do a pilot, um, I guess just to see if I could speak on radio and DJ on radio. So I went down. Right. And then they offered me <clears throat> they offered me a slot initially on a show called Extra Talent, mm -hmm. which which was where they got an up and coming DJ to just do a set like three till five in the morning once a week. So I did that. I think I must've done that four, maybe four times. I think I did it for a month. And then the, the schedule, the schedule one extra changes every September, I believe. Oh, okay. I'm not sure if that's still the case, but it was back then. Right. So September rolled around and they switched up the schedule and they introduced, um, mix shows every night time so like monday would be the hip-hop mix show tuesday r&b wednesday uk garage thursday drum and bass friday dance hall and they asked me to do the hip-hop mix show uh, every other week in rotation with another dj so i did that and i did that for a year um and that went well it was it very much suited my style because i was able to just mix 
and speak a little bit, but mainly just mix and just, you know, play a mixture of hip hop throughout the night. And that was great. Right. And then after I did that for 12 months, they offered me my own specialist show where I did, um, I played like kind of quite underground hip hop. It was kind of across the board, but it, it, I wasn't there playing, you know, the big club joints at the time. That wasn't what the show was about. Right. So I did that for two years. And then in 2007, they had a huge um, upheaval of the schedule where they, they, they got rid of quite a lot of DJs and bought a lot of new DJs in. And that's when I stopped uh, DJing One Extra. Um, but it was a good experience. It was, again, it was something that I didn't expect to come along and it did. And I learned a lot from it. I learned a lot about myself. I was still very young as well. Like right. when I ended the One Extra thing, I had just turned 22. So it all happened when I was very young. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And I, I did, I also did a one month residency on BBC radio one during my time there and BBC radio one at the time and still is, but certainly at the time it was the biggest radio station in yeah, the country. It was huge. the one where before DAB radio, this is when you could get in your car and radio one was the station that you could easily tune into. There was no interference all around the country. So it was the biggest station. That's when Westwood was on radio one. He was, right. he was huge. Um, so yeah, good, good times, strange times. Cause I was so young, but good times. <laughs> right. I know. I'm so jealous of that, that you guys have that, you know, BBC one, BBC one extra, like such a, you know, forward thinking, um, music station, you know, to have for the country and to, for the people, anyone to be able to listen to you know i feel like out here it's always been yeah. very specialized and we didn't even have the pirate radio that you guys had and i remember going to london for my first time and hearing pirate radio and having some weird little radio and having to adjust the um you know antenna in a weird way and just getting it somewhat yeah. you know but hearing it and hearing these sounds and these types of music for my first time ever and not even understanding what it is or if the dj was making the sound or if they, or they were playing a song or, you know what was happening i think that's such a great thing that you guys had over there um and pirate radio in a way connects to twitch and what we're doing now you know you get your own public access type of station you know to just bring to it what you want but that's such a great thing that that england you know the uk has uh, that they care about music and culture and arts in that way i think Totally. I mean, pirate radio was so fundamental to yeah. so much of the music that's come out of this country. You know, right. it was huge. huge. Um, and that kind of radio does still exist, but it doesn't have, it's all on the internet. Right. And what you just said about like the antenna, I have so many memories of like trying to tune into DJ EZ on a Sunday night and that he was on a station called freak FM, yeah. which was on the other side of London. So for me to even remotely get the reception, I would have to buy, I remember buying this um, antenna that was just a wire. So you could, I'd put it in the back of the stereo and you'd sort of like trail it all around the wall and yes. you'd find a little oh my spot God. on the ceiling up there. Yes. I forgot about that. I used to have one of those. It. Yes. <laughs> That's and you'd find this one spot, like if you moved it there, it was crackly. If you moved it there, it was crackly. It's just there. You could get it. I don't know why. I wonder what the science is behind that. Why it's good. Just there in I the know, corner of I the know. room. <laughs> um, 
That's so crazy. Yeah, we had, I mean, I remember being out there and having to do it. And then here, just being far away, like I moved up uh, about an hour from the Bay Area, like when I was about 19, and I would try to listen to DJ Revolution or this guy, Kevy Kev, or people on the Wake Up Show, and it was coming out of San Francisco, so I had to do the same thing. I'd have to get a boombox and bend the thing and then add that extra long wire thing, and try, and I'd record it, too, and have these horrible staticky recordings, but that was my only way to hear what was going on and be in touch with the music I liked and the people that I wanted, you know, trusted their their opinions on the music. Yeah, I actually found a lot of old DJ EZ Freak FM sets on YouTube recently. And that was, I mean, that took me back to being like 12, 13. Um, And the energy that Pirate Radio had back then, it was crazy. It was, it was awesome. Good time. I agree. And so, so from there, um, you know, you've done so many different things. Was there ever a time, you know, um, that you felt kind of lost as a DJ and trying to find your next steps and where to go. Um, I don't know once you, you know, what the gap was from doing radio to what you did now, what you're doing with Serato. But um, yeah, can you speak about that? Maybe feeling lost and finding your next steps as a DJ and bouncing from thing to thing. Yeah. I mean, if I'm, if I'm being completely open and completely honest, so I, so I won the, won the UK DMCs when I was 19 and then I started the role at Serato in 2017, so I would have been 32. Okay. If I'm being completely honest, on some level between that whole period, I was I I, I felt lost in some in, in some way throughout the whole thing because purely because I'd gone from having this laser focus on winning the DMCs, and then as soon as that happened, I kind of didn't have that laser focus for anything. Right. Um. I did some other things in that time. So I, I worked on a video game called DJ hero, which ended up being um, oh like God. a full-time job basically. Yeah. Oh my God. I remember basically, that. I mean, I was really close with DJ AM. So I remember just hearing about all of it, you yeah. know, and seeing it and going to the party they had for it here and stuff. So you yeah. worked there so for there was, years, right? You were, that was like your full-time gig for a few years at DJ hero Activision. Yeah. Crazy. That's exactly right. I actually think it ended up being four years, which is crazy. Um, I worked on it from, I worked on it from when it was just an idea of this guy called Daniel Neal, who now works for Activision in San Francisco. So Daniel Neal had the idea for DJ Hero. It was was kind of off the back of the success. No, no, he's not. He's, um, he he his history is in video games got it um so he had the idea and it was at a time when guitar hero was a phenomenon i mean do you remember how big that game was it was especially in america yeah it was big here but i remember reading about how big it was in america and it was it was crazy yeah so it was around that time and daniel neal had the idea for dj hero and this is an example of how something can just come along completely and you just don't expect it at all so he started working with a producer here in the UK called Dan Daniel Pepe and Daniel Pepe um, needed to get a scratch DJ to work on this very early idea for DJ hero. And he actually got in touch with a guy called Tony Vegas from the scratch perverts because he knew him from back in the day. Right. Um, Tony, Tony couldn't do it because he was too busy. Okay. So he put them in touch with me and I, I, I remember going down to a music studio can't even remember where it was in London, but I went down there and they asked me to bring a turntable and a mixer. 
So I took a turntable and a mixer down there and I met Dan and he explained to me that he's got this idea for, for a DJ video game and he wanted it to, he wanted, he, he already knew at that point that he wanted to sell it to Activision and he wanted it to become DJ hero, but it was nothing more than an idea in Dan's head at that point. Um, so I went down there and I recorded some scratches and that, that was the last I heard of it for about six months. Um, funnily enough, Dan, um, Dan didn't pay me for, for, for about six months. And I remember he, sent me an email after about six months and he said, look, I'm, I'm really sorry that I haven't paid you yet, but I've got some good news. I've been speaking to a video games company in the Midlands in the UK. I think it was in Leamington Spa and they have decided to make essentially a pilot game of DJ Hero. So Activision weren't involved at this point, but he'd got a video game company to come on board and invest in making a sort of early playable version of what became DJ Hero. And he said, and I I wanted to know if you can come down to the studio that we're going to get in East London and work on it. So (laughs) it went from being like, why hasn't this guy paid me to, cool, I've just got a job out of this. Let's (laughs) let's go. Amazing. Um, So I started working at this studio in East London and then they made an early version of the game showed it to activision activision bought bought the ip they ended up buying the um video game developer studio in leamington spa and they wow. made dj hero and activision put so much money into that game um and sales wise it actually didn't do too bad i think they sold a million of dj hero one which sounds good but activision were hoping for a lot more oh, okay. and it coincided it, we also ended up doing DJ Hero 2, and it was great fun. Yeah. But it also, unfortunately, coincided with that whole peripheral-based music game industry kind of collapsing, probably because of oversaturation. There was rock bands, there was DJ Hero, there was Guitar Hero. And, you know, people probably just got bored of having, you know, using plastic toys for music games. But right. really glad it happened. Crazy time. And... I, I'm I'm almost embarrassed to refer to it as a job because it wasn't really, you know. <laughs> That's great. I mean, to have something that you that you don't feel like it was a job for four years and you got paid from. That's really cool. Yeah, it was great. We um we did quite a lot of um I did quite a lot of marketing around the world. So I went to Australia. I also came to San Francisco twice to do some DJ Hero launch events. They were pretty cool. I remember the second one for DJ Hero Two. We had cuba there we had dj shadow um yeah it was it was pretty cool activision threw so much money at that thing it was absolutely insane that's amazing that also shows that you could throw all the money in the world at something and if it's not going to succeed it's not going to (laughs) succeed if it's not meant to be yeah i mean i'm i'm very proud to say that critically the game was received very well it was just it just coincided with a time that you know people lost interest in that genre unfortunately and maybe maybe it'll happen again maybe there'll be another dj game that that some company comes along and maybe activision will try again who knows well i mean like with the advent of tiktok and the reels on instagram and these mashup djs getting so big it might be something to the effect of that you know with the buttons and putting it together and I got this game for my son a couple years ago called Drop Mix, and it was kind of dope. Like you put your iPad in the front of it, and then it has this whole system that you that 
is connected and all these cards, almost like Pokemon cards, but they're, they represent a song. So it's like one is like Tribe Called Quest, check the rhyme or a scenario, let's say. And then another one's like, I mean, this sounds horrible, but like Carly Rae Jepsen, call me maybe. And then another one's like Katy Perry. And another one, you know, is Eric B and Rakim. But you put them down, there's all these spaces, and as you put them down, the game keeps mashing them up and changing the tempos and doing all this stuff. And so you play each other, creating these things. I don't even know how it works. It's super dope. Like, And it just it knows the code on the card. I don't know if it's reading the QR code. And through AI, it can like remix the songs. And we're creating these crazy four-layer remixes. And uh, it, it gets him into the that's music. Cool. That it's super great. cool. And that's years ago. So who knows? Maybe there will be a new, you know, that's, that's what uh, the new thing could be in a way, because I feel like kids now understand all the genres. They hear the music of their parents. They're in Spotify, beat source, all these things, playlisting things where you can hear many genres, many years, many eras, and then they're finding ways to put them together now on TikTok. So that could be the video game in a way, you know, the advanced version. That sounds really cool. I haven't actually heard of that. What's it called? Again? I feel like it maybe went out of business, but it was called Drop Mix. Um, and I okay, still have it. Loud. That sounds really cool. Yeah, it's a good, it's, it was the coolest thing I've ever seen, but I've never, I have my one friend in Atlanta has it and then no one else has ever, I've never seen it before. <laughs> um, but yeah. It's interesting because DJ Hero was based around mashups, but it didn't work like that. Right. DJ Hero was based around mashups, but the mashup was the mashup. You couldn't interact. Right. Well, you could interact with it, but you couldn't change it in any way. Yeah. It was what it was. No, this changes, it transitions the tempo. You pop down the Bruno Mars treasure card and all of a sudden it starts ramping up to 118, but then it's still playing the acapella of the rhyme and then it somehow can like do all this crazy stuff so i wonder if someone put that into a video game if people would even like it but that's cool seems you know good idea who knows um so and also i i'm noticing that you somehow have this um running through line uh through all of the things you get brought into of people named daniel uh, because you had Daniel, the <laughs> composer, Daniel, the video game editor, and now you have Daniel. Uh, you worked on Spider-Verse, and the composer of that is Daniel Pemberton, right? That was a great link, by the way. So that was brilliant. I think anybody that you meet named Daniel, you should really take an extra five minutes to get to know them because they might be changing your life <laughs> every single time you meet them. <laughs> um, because, yeah, I, I was saying I watched, um, you know, the Welcome to the Spider-Verse, the Spider-Man movie, and I noticed immediately that the composed music well first of all i noticed cool music okay the uncle's listening to notorious big all of a sudden i'm very old because i'm like the uncle's age am i the uncle's age that's the song i listen to you know the little kids like oh what's this old school music i'm like no this is my music but besides that then i notice the the composed music is being scratched together and going with the movements of the characters and even the animation and like I think my mind actually exploded like it was so crazy to me and then I, I told my son and my wife I'm like do you notice they're scratching and so then I watched the whole movie and I'm like I gotta watch it again because now I need to really examine what they're doing but I looked at the credits and thank god they put your name in the credits right they did 
And they did. Yeah. Thank that's so cool. You know, good job guys putting his name in the credits because I think a lot of times you wouldn't have been in there or people don't get credit. You see even on EDM songs that people like, they don't know who's singing it. So they might've just taken your name right off of it. So I think that was cool. And you know, whoever decided to do that, but it, it let me then look up, Oh shit, that was Blakey. That's nuts. So I, then that led me to find a podcast with Daniel Pemberton, listen to how it all came about. So interesting to me because I love music, uh, combined with movies and television shows. I wanted to be a music supervisor, you know, in my early twenties, that was what I thought my job would be. And then as my DJing took off, I was like, Oh, I don't have to wake up in the morning. I can go travel around and DJ I'll do this for a while you know maybe something I'll go back to eventually but that was such an amazing combination of all of it so um, I just always wanted to talk to you about that and wondered how that came about what the process was like how was it done you know how much you were into it and and what Daniel Pemberton's vision for that was Um, so anything you want to talk about in regards to that that would be great well, that came around very randomly, to be honest. So I remember Daniel Pemberton um, got in touch with the support team at Serato um, because he wanted to know if it was possible to scratch 5.1 surround sound audio files in Serato. Amazing. Um, so we got chatting through that. Um, <clears throat> and then he he asked to speak to me on the phone. So I called him up and he explained to me who he was, what he's done, and and this new movie, Into the Spider-Verse. Um, and he told me about his vision for the movie soundtrack and how he really wanted to include scratching in it, but in a in a kind of in a deep, intertwined way that was really part of the soundtrack. I'm, I'm actually saying soundtrack, I mean the score. The right, score the score of the, of the movie. movie, yes. Yeah. Um, so then he came down to the studio, um, the Serato studio in East London. And we, we, we just got on really well. We, he was telling me about what he wanted to put into the score. And I, I showed him some basic scratches at this point. I was still, um, going to maybe put him in touch with another DJ because, you know, I didn't know what, what style of DJ he wanted, yeah. but I started doing some scratches and he was like, he was like, this kind of thing is just right. Um, do you mind if we record some of this? So we recorded some, he took it away and he, he put some of it into the kind of um, draft of the score. And after a couple of months when he had actually worked out exactly which parts he, he wanted scratched, um, he, he then invited me to the, the orchestral recordings of the music in the movie that he made. Wow. And that was kind of crazy yeah. because I'd never been to anything like that. It so was cool. a room, a room that kind of looked like a church. I think, it, I think it may actually have been a church, a room of like 50 people with string instruments recording these. It, it was quite funny because obviously wow. I've never heard this music before because it would been, it had been written by Daniel, but it felt Hollywood, the music, you know, yeah, it felt big and like, um, like the climax of a big part of a movie. It felt like that. Wow. Um, I've actually still got those recordings on my phone. Um, Cause now that the movie's out, that music to people, people will know it really well and it will yeah. have this like real emotional attachment for people. So maybe I'll put those videos out at some point if Daniel will let me, I'm sure he will. Yeah. Um, but anyway, after that, after they recorded the orchestral pieces, he then gave me 
um, those pieces of audio to scratch. Um, and I went down to Abbey Road Studios, which is like a very famous recording studio in yes, London. Of course. Um, and we were in a room there and he had a little, this, this was very close actually to the release of the movie. This would, this would have been like two months before the release. So oh, wow. I, I imagined to get the scratching uh, recorded in the way he wanted, he kind of needed to have the movie and the score finished so that he could know exactly what sounds he wanted scratched and what parts of the movie he wanted them in. So yeah, I went down there and I spent an, an entire day with a screen with the movie and he would play the movie and he would tell me what scratches he wanted over that part of the movie. And I would have to kind of learn it. Um, and even at that point, I remember Daniel saying to me, um, look, I'm, I deliver the score to the production, to the, to the, the company who make the movie. Right. And I still don't know at that point what they're going to take out and what they're going to leave in. Cause I'm, you know, they've got complete control over what goes in. So he said to me, I'm pretty sure that your scratching will be in this movie, but I can't guarantee it. Yeah. Anyway, fast forward two months. I went to the, I went to a viewing of the movie with Daniel and the scratching is all throughout the score. Oh. It's, it's all throughout the whole movie, way more than I thought they would put in. Um, in fact, the very first sound of the movie is me doing a scratch and scratching in the the opening credit music. I know. Um, it was the coolest thing ever. I love it. It's like, you know, it, it, that's amazing. That must make you feel so good. It was a great thing to do. And again, it just came it just came by completely by chance. Um and just an opportunity that I just grabbed and I'm so glad I did it. It was it's just one of those things that is just a great thing to do to look back on. Yeah. And I know that they've announced the Spider-Verse 2. So maybe maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll do it for that. We'll see. You have maybe to. Maybe I need to call Daniel. Come on, Daniel, <laughs> let's go. Let's do this. Um, that's what I was wondering is, have you done any other work with TV, film, anything in that world since, or worked with Daniel or any other composers? Or is that the only thing up to, to date? That's the only thing. Um, that's the only thing. I do remember that Daniel, it, Daniel did phone me actually about Spider-Verse 2. Um, but this was before COVID. He actually had an idea of doing an event where, again, this was before COVID. So, you yeah. know, these plans were scrapped immediately with lockdown and things like that. But he had an idea to do, um, to basically perform the score from Into the Spider-Verse on stage, um, which would be amazing. Amazing. Um, Hopefully we can still make that happen. Maybe yeah. even Spider-Verse 2, because that score is is fantastic and, and people loved it. I um, love it, yeah. And then at, at the end of all that, Daniel, as you mentioned, Daniel got my name on the credits and he told me that he told me that there are so many credits that people really have to fight to get their name in there. And Daniel very kindly fought to get my name in there, which is brilliant. Yeah. Oh, wow. Daniel. You're a real one, buddy. Thank you. <laughs> um, well, shoot, I know you have to go. Uh, there was more we wanted to discuss, but uh, we, we, we got to let you go to your thing. There were a couple questions from the internet. Um, do you have maybe a couple minutes we can just hit those real quick and then can just get Absolutely. out of here? Okay, so um, uh, 
We've got a UK legend on here, D James uh, from Beat Source, and he asks how you balance your DJing with your bakery business. Is that a joke or is that real? (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't sure, so I'm asking. Let me explain that one. Let me explain that one. So, at the start of lockdown, I, I've always been into cooking, but at the start of lockdown, I really got into baking. <laughs> and I, if I do say so myself, I make a pretty good focaccia bread. Oh, right? okay. I want to <laughs> <And> try that. <laughs> I, I made this once for James. And um, I, I, I remember I promised him, I said, um, he really, really enjoyed it. And I said, when's your birthday? I said, I'll make you one for your birthday. <laughs> and then I think he forgot about it. And then on his birthday, I called him and I said, I'm sending a focaccia bread round to your house in a taxi, wrapped, all, you know, <laughs> safe. And, um, yeah, he he has in the past uh, referred to my kitchen as the Blakery. <laughs> the Blakery. Okay, that's genius. Um, all right, your birthday's coming up next week, so I think he owes you a focaccia or something. Some one of your fa- what's your favorite food? <laughs> what can he send you? Well, um, oh God, that's a good question. I, do you know, I don't know if James can cook. So. <laughs> what if he just orders it? What, what, what's your favorite? Uh, what's your favorite food? If he wants to order something for me, Turkish all the way, Turkish cuisine. Wow, that's good to know. Okay, what's the best thing from Turkish cuisine? Um. I really like a lot of their sides and their salads. They they always have um, in a sure. Turkish restaurant. You always get like onions in this like pomegranate sauce with parsley, and every Turkish restaurant does it, and that's great. They're really good at doing Amazing. side salads, and then of course like a mixed grill of some sort. But I'll let I'll let James okay. decide. James, <laughs> we're putting the we're putting the signal out there for you. Um, all right, two more questions, and then let's get out of here. Um, Kenny, I am asks HID mode for CDJ three thousands release date? Question mark. It's coming. I'm afraid I can't give you a date. Okay. But what I can say is it is one hundred percent coming. Yeah, I mean, I I'm. It's actually interesting that it's that hard to implement in there. Uh, yeah it's um it's we're getting asked about it more and more um right and it is definitely coming unfortunately i'd love to be able to give you a date but i just can't right now but it is definitely coming and they're working hard that's good enough um okay last question dj wingman one does blakey still carry around records or usbs just in case um I usually do have one USB just with some songs on the root drive. Um, luckily, I've never needed it, actually. But um, it's there, just in case I do. Um, vinyl, no. Um, I very rarely use um, even turntables with Serato these days. I do really? sometimes at certain venues, but very rarely, actually. I'm, I'm HID or controller most of the time now. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah, I've been going coming back into it. I've been going back and forth too. I was like, I want to try this phase. Okay, I'm going to do HID mode. I'm going to see what's best because they've been outside too. So in the daytime and hot. Um, amazing. All right. Well, well, uh, you've told us so much. I feel like there was even more that we want to talk about, but maybe one day we'll get that or maybe we'll hear you on your new Twitch show telling us uh, a bunch of that info. So check that out. And um, yeah, so just a reminder to everyone that 
BeatSource and Serato are coming together to do these uh, three webinars, June 23rd, June 30th, and July 7th. Uh, the first one, the 23rd, is for the West Coast of the United States, June 30th for the East Coast of the United States, and July 7th uh, is geared towards the UK. So go sign up at link.beatsource.com slash what's dash next, and uh, you'll see Blakey up on there and uh, be able to ask questions and learn things, and I'm sure there's going to be so much beneficial knowledge. Um, yeah, do you have any kind of last words or message or advice for DJs or just say hello to somebody out there before we get out of here? Sign up for the webinar. If you're on the East Coast, the West Coast, or the UK, sign up. We also do have plans to do a webinar in other European territories. Um, So stay tuned for that. Um, Thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Yes, it's been a pleasure too. Thank you for coming on. And uh, I will see you you in the Twitch-verse and maybe in the real-life world one day. Yeah, you'll see me doing the breaking in stream on the Serato channel starting in July. So look out for that. I can't wait. I'm excited. I love that stuff. All right, Blakey, thank you so much for coming on the 20 podcast. We will talk to you soon. Peace. Thank you. All right, later. Okay, that was a fun show. I wish we didn't have to end it so early. I had more things I wanted to ask Blakey about the Spider-Verse scratches and about everything else. Such an interesting dude, really smart, really talented, and I really enjoyed having him on the show. Hopefully I can connect with him in real life, maybe eat some of his focaccia bread from the bakery. I don't know if I'll be so lucky, but, uh, you know, that was fun. Can't wait to see you guys next week. Thank you for tuning in. I'm DJ Spider. Keep in touch with me at DJ Spider on Instagram or Twitch, DJ S-P-I-D-E-R. The 20 Podcast is produced by BeatSource. Join us next week for more interviews as we discuss music that matters to DJs. I'm signing off. DJ Spider. Peace. And that was The 20 with DJ Spider. 